Hello, and welcome y'all to the 1v1 show. It's your boy, Geo Huey Flow, welcoming you to the place all things niche, nerd, and pop culture. And we got a dope show for you today. We're going to talk about all this week's news and pop culture going on. And as always, it is the man behind the boards, one of my favorite people, my co-host, Mikey, a.k.a. Hyphy Soul. Oh, crap. What's up, everyone? <laughs> wait, what the heck's my camera? Uh, wait, hold up. Where the heck's my camera? The heck? Hold up. I need to fix this real quick. Where am I? Where are you? What the heck? Why can't I see myself? That's funny, because like, funny. 10 minutes ago, it was working just fine. Hold on. Let me just add myself in the webcam. You know, we're doing this live. Wait. What the heck? Oh, 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 snap. Oh, oh, crap. Now, now you can see all this stuff near me. Hold on. I'm fixing this. All right. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not. You didn't see that? Okay. All right. Anyways, redo. What's up, everyone? And I didn't know. I was just one of Gio's favorite people. But also, if you're new to the 1v1 show and what we do here, how we conduct the show is by starting off, the, uh, starting off with 10 topics from the news this week regarding dinosaurs, Kanye, Buzz Lightyear, Stoop Dog, and Nintendo. Each topic will have a timer of five minutes with the last two topics being just a little bit longer. Well, the last topic is it's a combination of three topics, so it's going to be like at least 15 minutes long. And after that, they will be discussing... Their top five, and for this week, is going to be about their childhood crushes in media. And we don't end there. Finishing off today's episode will be our 1v1 showdown, where Gio and the guest host will take sides on a debate. And the, the, today's debate is, is anime mainstream? Find out later. And if you like what we do here, please give us a follow on our socials on IG, Twitter, and you can support us on Patreon, where we have three tiers. $3 will get you a roll credit at the end of the every episode. $5. We'll let you submit any topic to the show. And $10, you can sponsor us by plugging anything you want, as long as it's appropriate. But the best way to support us is by just participating in the chat, be part of the conversation on the show, and uh, yeah, we read everything. And uh, another announcement, so we are a video podcast, right? Yet we don't have any audio podcasts out there until now. Because uh, we are currently on Spotify and Stitcher, and I'm still working on trying to get on iTunes and Google Music. So, if you aren't able to catch us live on either Twitch or YouTube, which we are live on both platforms currently, you can find us on on those uh, audio platforms. And just know that the post-show, which we do after the show for maybe about an hour, it won't make it to the audio podcast, so be, ter- be sure to tune in on the live broadcast if you want to see, like, just see us uh, just talk whatever about our personal lives. But anyways, well, let me just... Our guest today is a big fan of all things kaiju, with an extensive knowledge on Godzilla and aficionado of the West Coast, hip-hop scenes, and a commitment to uphold the values of Sailor Scouts. Please welcome Wyatt. 
Oh, that's about as good of an intro as I could get. Um, yeah, that's what I had my dissertation on was uh, Godzilla and Sailor Moon. So you got the right person for that. But uh, yeah, happy to be here. I'm glad that your uh, desperation brought you to me. So it's exciting for me. Nice, nice. And uh, yeah. Oh wait, I'm I'm gone on the on my own screen again. But uh, yeah. So how are your guys' week this week? Ah, uh, I mean anything other than work is fine. Anything other than being stuck in traffic is fine for me. Work isn't too bad. Though, Mike, I gotta ask you: Are you on the Death Star right now, or like, yeah, where are you? I'm I'm in the Imperial hangar of the Death Star, but like, you can't see me right now because I don't know why OBS is working against me as it always does during the show. But uh, well, that yeah. So that's what you get for joining the Empire. So true. Yeah. I got canceled. Um, but yeah. True. All right, so let's get started with the first topic of today. And it is going to be about, well, let me get my, it's going to be about the Telltale game. But what's Telltale game, Gio? Tell us about it. It's actually, it's actually my favorite Telltale game. So, uh, recently on Thursday, Wednesday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, there was a Wolf Among Us 2 live stream where Jeff Keighley hosted it and talked to some of the developers at Telltale Games. And they showed a trailer of The Wolf Among Us Season 2. Now, what we know about this game is that it's set six months after the end of the first game, with Bigby being stuck in anger management, and him and Snow White pretty much not on good terms. Like always, in the trailer, they showed off some modern versions of some Wizard of Oz characters, like the Tin Man and the Straw Man, or Straw Scarecrow, not Straw Man, the Scarecrow. So... I'm excited for this. I played the first one. I absolutely loved it. Why have you played The Wolf Among Us? I haven't. I've played a few of the Telltale games. I assume this is another one that's kind of like almost like a visual novel, but you make enough choices in there to kind of vary your experience from like playthrough to playthrough. Yeah. But it's not but mm-hmm. not familiar with it per se, but very familiar with that format. I played through the uh, Left 4 Dead games that came out like ten years ago. Okay. By Telltale. I see. I, I honestly would say that this one's worth giving a shot because I think, personally, I think it's the best Telltale game. I think it's the most compelling story. It's something. It's also a property that there is. It's it's a known property, but it's not known enough to where I think it has enough surprises for people. Uh, have you read the Fable comics? No, I haven't. Yeah, I the comics are amazing. Basically I love Fable. Fable is one of. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, uh, what should we call it, uh, comic series that's outside of kind of D- DC and Marvel. If you, if the, for those for those of you in the chat who don't know, or those of you who are watching are unaware, Fables is essentially picture all the fairy tale characters like Snow White, the Big Bad Wolf, Pinocchio, Geppetto, uh, the Fairy Godmother, characters like that, and they're banished. From their home worlds because this evil invader came in and basically pushed them out into our world. Now they're basically refugees who are in our world trying to make a living and kind of trying to separate themselves from humanity. Really good. Really good stuff. I'm I'm excited for it. And like I said, this the thing about this too is they announced this live stream. Up Among Us Season 2 was actually announced at the Game Awards in 2017. So it's been oh, a while. So this has been like cooking for a while, and it's yeah, 
has well, it been like development hell or like what was the reason for it? Well, if you remember, Telltale Games actually shut down and then they got they got came back up. So they shut down, I think, in 2018. And then I believe in 20, either 2019 or 2020, they pretty much started back up again with some of the major leads. And one of the big things about this new incarnation in, incarnation of Telltale Games is that the biggest complaint about all the old Telltale Games was the engine. The game engine was buggy. The game engine was outdated and things of that nature. And now they've moved to Unreal Engine. And so the game looks a lot better than the old ones based on the trailer alone. So I'm still excited for it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be worth checking out. Do you remember the uh, Walking Dead ones? The controls on it were very tanky. It was almost like a Diet Coke of like Resident Evil to a certain degree in terms of like the mobility yeah. in that game. Well, I played it on I played it on PC with the kind of uh, mouse and mouse and a uh, keyboard. So you just I would just click to where I wanted the character to move. So uh, but, I, did. I think I think this one Wolf Among Us one, season one. I think I played it on mobile. Because I think I somehow got the first chapter for free, and then I paid like two bucks for each other chapter, so it wasn't that expensive. That's not bad at all. Yeah, and, and the that's thing the about kind of stuff. I was going to say the thing about this one is that they are going to release it episodically per per like all Telltale games, but what they're doing differently, which I think is smart, they're developing the whole game first. And then they're going to release it episodically because what would happen is, let's say they release episodes one and two, but then episode three, they would have issues with development and would get pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And by the time it comes out, people just don't care anymore. So I think it's a smart, it's a, it's a smart strategy. Yeah, no, that's way better than what they were doing before where, like you said, it was kind of this active development as they're releasing bits and pieces of the game. And sometimes you'd get these stints of like, six like 18 months without any new content people kind of move on and forget about it so it's definitely the better play for sure zombie bait 90 in the chat says uh in my opinion tales from the borderlands is the best telltale games um buzz mm. here says whoa i'm a topic of discussion today you are and we'll get to that later um oh and mikey's giving his opinion that chapter one of the walking dead but it's only what he's played uh, that's a, that whole that game is also really good. Walking Dead. I, better I than like, I was, oh, go ahead. Uh, say better than I expected out of like that when I first started because I wasn't a huge fan of the TV show. I played the first the, or the second one. I just couldn't get into it, but the first one was really good. Really yeah, good. it almost could have just been like a standalone experience. The first one. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's move on to our number two. Talking about my least, my least favorite subject. What's up with Jurassic Park? So we're moving on to Geo's, but obviously going to be his movie of the year, 2022. Jurassic Park World, or sorry, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Dominion. One of the more like highly like anticipated movies of the next year, you know, which is great kind of coming off these past couple of anemic years, you know, movie wise where things have not really been super stellar. Hopefully this will be kind of a bounce back to like good, consistent movies. But, um, you know, in the trailer, it has everything you'd expect from a Jurassic world movie. Chris Pratt's running around chasing dinosaurs on a motorcycle, um, bunch of callbacks to the older films, you know, getting very meta as everyone likes to these days. But in the trailer, it kind of starts out with Chris Pratt going on the motorcycle. He's, 
chasing these, you know, raptors down through this frozen tundra area. And the world is just kind of, you know, learning how to deal with the fallout of Dr. Henry Wu's, like, you know, research and the dinosaurs having made the jump off the island to the mainland, essentially. But, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this one. I feel like Jurassic World kind of, like, I feel like it was, like, a good one-off in 2015. Like, that was, like, a nice stopping point because it was getting, you know, the whole concept is ridiculous. But I feel like they really kind of jumped the shark and then went back and ate the shark in, you know, the 2015 one. Yeah. And then the 2000, whatever, the last one that came out was just like, what do you think? I, don't, I think for me, like, okay, I, obviously everyone knows, well, most people know the joke. I don't like dinosaurs. They have deep seated trauma. Um, uh, tell us about it. But you had a family member that died at the hands of a dinosaur. Yes. Why, that's why are you afraid of it? this trauma? <laughs> Extinct dinosaurs. <laughs> anyways anyways I thought it was dumb at the end of Jurassic World 1 where it felt like fan fiction and it was like okay we're gonna bring the T-Rex from the first movie and he's gonna fight the other big one and then the raptors are gonna team up and at the very end Chris Pratt's gonna look at the raptor and the raptor's gonna go and Chris Pratt's gonna go and I'm like this this feels like some bad fan fiction but I think also, do you think like they're nostalgia baiting with bringing back Sam O'Neill and, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that's a huge there part of like the film industry right now is them nostalgia baiting people. Be like, oh, I remember that. That's the same T-Rex from the first movie. Now it's fighting the new dinosaur. And yeah, and it just, for some reason, yeah, I feel like the further it got away from its literary roots, the more kind of just stupid it got because like you said yeah the end of jurassic world where he kind of gives him the you know the you got the juice now like yeah check like why would you make a sequel to that just let it go yeah it is it, 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 on all counts it's just dumb so uh, when are we going to go uh, see this though my computer almost out of battery but it's plugged in hold on give me a second now, is your wire actually plugged into the wall? Because that is a critical part of charging any computer. No, I, I just had to... It wasn't fully pushed in. Okay. Anyways. Anyways, uh, about these, these, these damn dinosaurs. I mean, really, like, what, what could they do? They already have the dinosaurs living among us. Like, what really happens at, this, at the end of this movie? Do the dinosaurs win? Do they just destroy all humanity? Or do we, or do we kill all the dinosaurs? I mean, one of two things is going to happen at the end of this movie. I'm assuming it's like a Planet of the Apes type thing where they get us, and now it's just like it is the Jurassic World, like we're done. And then they'll probably make another sequel, where like fucking squids or you know squids or something come out and like destroy the dinosaurs, and they become the dominant species. And it'll be Jurassic World squid world. It'll be Jurassic World platoon. Is what telling me. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways. But let's see. What are people saying in chat? Uh, zombie bait. Weaponized nostalgia. Well, it is yeah. weaponized nostalgia. I mean, yeah, also, like, like, apparently, like, the I've never read the Jurassic World book or Jurassic Park books, but apparently they're they're really good, or at least the first one is. I've heard the same, yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, we, I have a, we have a friend that believes that Steven Spielberg is a hack, and this is all his fault, but we'll see. We'll see. 
it's not him as a hack. I think it's everyone that's trying to emulate him as a hack. Yeah, let's see. I mean, Steven Spielberg's Coca-Cola, the people that are following him is RC Cola. So, Hey, I like RC Cola, all right? Like, of course you would. <laughs> anyway, let's move off of Jurassic Park, and let's move on to something even more frightening. Kanye West. Yeah. All right, so Netflix basically shared a new trail trail trailer for the new Kanye West documentary called Genius, a Kanye trilogy. So it's a three-part documentary that's going to be released uh, once every two weeks, with the first installment being released uh, in in theaters and on streaming February February tenth. Whoa! Did it did it did it show off already? Huh? I thought I'm sorry. You showed it already. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's it's nationwide in theaters on February 10th. It will stream on Netflix February 16th. And the 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 Kanye trilogy is directed by uh, Clarence Cootie Simmons and Chike Oza, also known as Cootie and Chike. Put Kanye West early in his career when he made Through the Wire, as well as the third version of Jesus Walk. Is there three versions of Jesus Walk? Like the music video? Is there? I knew there was like two. I didn't. There's three. Did you know? I guess they're like. But anyways, Mm -hmm. like I said, uh, Kanye also wanted the full edit and approval of the documentary, but the directors told Variety that he was not given the final cut. So, I mean, granted, I think that's smart because someone like Kanye, if you give him control of something like that, it's going to be heavily edited, and he won't like it. But I think this will be interesting because we get to see the juxtaposition of Kanye back then and who he was now. Mm-hmm. And especially during like the college dropout years, like you could see the difference in this man. Like maybe not the crazy. Oh, okay. I don't want to use crazy, but the like the passionate and kind of outrageous behaviors that he had were always were always there. But I mean, you could tell like. What what his values kind of were and how he's been dealing with a lot. I mean, people say, I mean, I think it's clear to everyone that Kanye deals with mental health issues. But how much of that are you willing to give him a pass for some of the stuff that he said? You know, it's hard to say. And even like you said, going back all that time, you can see where he had delusions of grandeur from the very beginning. And everything that's kind of happened to him since then has kind of fed into that and reaffirmed it to him. So it's just escalated from there though. I am glad that they didn't give him like final say on the cut. Cause I feel like that's what they did with Michael Jordan on the, uh, the basketball documentary that came out a few years ago. Do you yeah. remember that one? The, and the dan- last dance, the last dance. And I think that's why you had some people that refused to be in that because they knew that, you know, it was basically Michael Jordan's show and, you didn't really get like a fair look at, you know, who he was as a person the same way as I don't feel you'd get like a fair look of who Kanye is as a person. If he were to be the person to go off and direct it and kind of do the whole thing, which he has the money to do anyways, if he wants to do like a side piece, he's probably going to bitch about or complain about this when it comes out and say that it's, you know, an unfair representation of him as a person that he's more complex than that. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he drops like a little mini documentary on YouTube or, KanyeWest.com or something where you know it's him directing and it's just this like self-congratulating you know um, project yeah I mean also like if you really think about it 
like you look at Kanye, who he was then and who he was now, and the people, even the people around him, are are different. Because I remember reading, a, I, I remember seeing an interview with Rhymefest, who was one of Kanye's earliest creative partners. He was actually the guy who actually wrote Jesus Walks, and he went to that. What is it, Wisconsin, where Kanye has that like ranch that he had the way in, mm-hmm. where they were making music for Life of Pablo. And Kanye basically was doing the song Famous, where he said the line, oh, what is it? Uh, what did he say? It was something like, she bleached her asshole, and now I got bleach on my t-shirt, and I feel like oh, an shit. asshole. And, and Rhymefest was like, what is this? This is like bullshit. Yeah. You know, this is some BS. Right, and he left, and it started a whole, basically, a whole beef with him and Kanye, where he's like, "You haven't been for the people in a long time." Because mm-hmm. Ryan Fest used to run Donda's house, which was a nonprofit started to help the youth in Chicago. It's like you haven't been around in forever. You don't care about this. And then they got onto this, and even and Kim Kardashian was like, "You're just mad that your Yeezys were fake." Blah blah blah. And I, you know. I really would. I'm really excited to see this documentary and seeing kind of Kanye before the Kardashian, before his mom died, right? When he was just really making music, and yeah, he had these delusions of grandeur, but it seemed like that passion was going into the music instead of the passion going into him becoming famous because of the music he makes. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, and I hope they don't, you know, heavily lean much over on one side versus the other and you know follow up with what you were saying too like yeah you can definitely see how his crowd changed over the years i was listening to uh b by common earlier today and just thinking of you know where they were kind of on like the same wavelength creatively and how kanye just kind of like split from that completely to the point where i think it was like last year he had an interview where he said he never liked talib kwali's music yeah i was just kind of fronting on that wasn't kwali on his first album kwali was on his first album he was yeah. on get him high that's right. Yeah. Anyway. So, ah, ah. All right. Time to talk about a uh, zombie bait nineties favorite movie from last year. Matrix, Res- Matrix resurrections. Nice. And not just that, but more about like streaming in theaters, you know, can they coexist? So village roadshow entertainment group recently sued Warner brothers on Monday for breach of contract over the studios to the decision to release the matrix Matrix Resurrection simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters. So basically kind of the same thing that happened with uh, Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson, where they have, you know, they're releasing these films both on the streaming platform and in the theaters, and it's deeply impacting their the money that they're making from the theaters, and it's deeply impacting the theaters as well, to where it's resulting in these different lawsuits. So... Gio, do you think that these two, that they can coexist? Do you think there could be like a nice balance between like what Disney Plus does where they'll release it in theaters for like a limited time and then like two or three months later, they'll just put it on streaming? I mean, I remember back in the day when a movie would come out in theaters, it would take forever to come, for it to come out on DVD or not DVD, uh, on VHS. But... I think nowadays with everything being digital, it's so easy to just be like, all right, here's the movie here. And now here's the copy digitally. So it, it kind of thins the line between streaming and theaters. The problem is that companies now like Disney, Paramount, 
like film theaters, they have their own streaming services now to where it behooves them to push those numbers instead of putting it on movie theaters. Now, if it was like even like five five years ago where we just had Netflix and they weren't affiliated with any of the movie studios, I think there could be a coexistence. But I think nowadays we're getting to a point to where something where it, it almost seems like it would be more beneficial for the film companies to just put it on their streaming service. I mean, yeah, we have movies like Spider-Man Far From Home, which when we went to go see it, Mikey described it as like a concert where it was an experience. Movies like that are not a dime a dozen. It's once every, maybe you get that experience four, three, four times, depending on what kind of franchises you're really into. I mean, what franchises could really get that much excitement besides a Marvel, a Star Wars, uh, maybe a Fast and Furious? I mean, there's not that many big franchises like that out there. So... I disagree to that. I feel that there is a certain atmosphere that you get from being in the theater. Um, kind of like what Mikey said with Spider-Man, where it felt like this wild ride. But there's other things like in, uh, I don't know if you saw Get Out in theaters, but that really kind of became like this joint experience with everyone in that theater going through the uh, different twists and turns of that movie. You can kind of feel the energy in there. And same thing with the uh, first Paranormal Activity movie that came out where, you know, back when that was new and that was actually scary, that you know, you felt the energy in the theater. You felt like this, like hush of like fear over people and that you don't can't really emulate or get that from a streaming service in your house. Ultimately, I feel that Disney, them being Disney and figuring out how to maximize profits probably has a bright idea on this and releasing it early and, or not early, but releasing in theaters and kind of pushing back the release date on streaming. So that way you do get that initial wave of excitement and those people that will spend money to go and see it early and do want to see it on the big screen. But then, you know, for those that are like filthy, like normies, like me, I wait for like four months and then watching Kanto at home. Yeah. I mean, but at the, at the same time, the other key component to this is COVID because we're on year three. Year Just about three to begin year three. Yeah. Yeah about to be on year three of, of pretty much COVID life. And there are people that I know that still don't go to movie theaters because of all the COVID. So I mean, yeah. it, it's hard to say, you know, when this will be completely over, over when we'll have, even though, you know, they're saying, Oh, we're having a, uh, you know, mass mandates being relift, lifted and we're having these in, things that were implemented before no longer mandatory. So I mean, maybe once we lift, once we see COVID pretty much done, done, we'll see a bit a bit more of a divide. But as of right now, I think the lines are blurred more than ever. And we'll see when we come out of this COVID world, if we come out of this COVID world, what it, what it looks like on the other side. I mean, there's definitely going to be some things that are going to be, you know, long lasting for decades after this. But you know, people come back around that everything will kind of stabilize out. Zombie Bait in the chat says, perhaps it's time for franchises to die and sh allow originals to come out. I mean, it's kind of what we talked... Oh, excuse me. That Tang hitting right now. Uh, yeah, having a Tangwich. A Tangwich? <laughs> yeah, it's where you put Tang between two slices of bread and you eat it. Oh my god. What kind of... That's not your lunch. What kind of poverty meal is that? Okay, look, I don't need you. 
I don't need you disrespecting my dinner, okay? Look, times is hard right now. Inflation's getting to me. I gotta um, make sure I can, and it's sure not going to be this stuff. So I'm eating tanguages. That, that you gotta have your vitamin C. It's like reminds me of the meme where it's like you know when you're when you when you as a kid you were hungry but you were poor, so you ate sleep for dinner. It's <laughs> <laughs> like damn, damn. Anyway, moving off this matrix, this lawsuit. Let's go somewhere infinite to infinity and beyond, and talk about this Buzz Lightyear trailer. First off, I mean we we all know about the Buzz Lightyear movie and kind of it being the story of the quote unquote real Buzz Lightyear. In general, how do you feel about this move at all? I mean, like I said earlier, I'm waiting for the scene where he turns off his uh, body cam from the looks of this, but. I feel this is weird because haven't they like relaunched Buzz Lightyear like twice already? Because they had the little cartoon show. So is this because the cartoon show was like connected to the movie somehow? Like I thought that's what the property actually was. So now this is like retconning that, and then this now is what that toy is based on in the other movie. Exactly. It's interesting I, to. I don't know. I, for me, for me, I I don't know. Like. The with the cartoon everything. I, I I really like the Buzz Lightyear cartoon. I was like, mm-hmm. I hope Miranova is in this one somehow, but you know, I doubt it because it seems like they're just going for a completely different direction. And the trailer it, it basically shows a little bit more of the plot. It has Buzz Lightyear, Star Command, being stuck on this planet, and the plot of is them trying to get off him and the other space rangers. And when you watch the the trailer, there's this armored robot that starts attacking him. They kind of looks like Zerg. So is this maybe an in, in like an incarnation of Zerg, a version, a different version of Zerg, or is this basically they're gonna get off the planet? He's gonna tell his stories, and that's pretty much what the Toy Story Buzz Lightyear cartoon is off of. But at the same time, how does that really fit? Because this is a lot of advanced tech that they're using, and it seems like the Toy Story world is like. I don't know, early, 90 to early 2000s world? Like, what tech could they really have back then? I don't know. I don't know what Pixar and Disney are doing. It almost seems like they're trying to milk it, but maybe if we remove ourselves from all that, like, meta-narrative and stuff like that, then it would just be easy to accept this as, okay, this is just a standalone based off this character, and then we can accept it. Um, really? Do you really think Disney, Disney would go and milk a franchise like Toy Story? That just seems completely unlike them. Shut up. All right. Uh, All right. I think I got this figured out, though. I know what this is. So this is going to turn into a multiverse thing. Oh, no. So you're going to have, like, your World One, which is, like, the base Toy Story movies. And then you're going to have, like, the Buzz Lightyear cartoons. And then, like, parallel to that, it's going to be this movie. And they're going to come out with, like, a Buzz Lightyear, like, multiverse of madness where they're all going to meet up and, like, have to kill, like, Woody from the Toy Story movies. He's going to turn into, like, Zerg or something. Okay. But how does Kingdom Hearts fit into all this? Well, that's because Buzz Lightyear uses a T-Blade. Have you, have you played Kingdom Hearts 3? I haven't even looked at a review of Kingdom Hearts 3. I did not care about that game. I don't like the Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, I'm not surprised, but I've played them all, which shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, because you have to waste your time. There's, there's a scene where they go into a Toy Story world, and there's like a version of Woody that turns like Ultra Instinct, like... Like God, ultra, ultra instinct, Woody, 
that starts that starts fighting one of these like Final Fantasy type villains. It's hilarious. It's, that it's, actually it's, sounds like a good time. <laughs> it is a good time. Uh, <laughs> Nine Samantha says, "I, I have wait. What does it say? Yeah, I have. It's when Sora joins Smash in Kingdom Hearts Four. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean, who knows what they're gonna do with this franchise? I mean, I'm gonna watch the movie. I'm sure most people will. Not just kids. I'm going to. But also, yeah, we'll all watch it. Uh, Buzz? Yeah, my wife's already talking about, oh, when do tickets go on sale? So now I'm going to get stuck watching that, too. Buzz Lightyear says, I'm Team Zerg. How are you Team Zerg and your name is Buzz based off Buzz Lightyear? That makes no sense. Well, because he's Lightyear. So that's like Buzz Lightyear, but he's like evil because he kills, I guess. Oh, I, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like... Um, there's a, there's a, there's a documentary that about like uh, warlords in Africa, and there was one guy named General Mosquito, and his opponent or the guy that wanted to destroy him, his name was General Kill Mosquito. I thought you were gonna say his name was General Lightyear. No, Mosquito. Okay. So Buzz Lightyear and Buzz Kill Lightyear. That makes sense. One wore black and one wore white, and they like the evil one wore white. I mean. If they're both warlords, I mean, who's really good and who's really evil? This isn't no spy versus spy. I, I, anyway. I guess. You, you really know how to take the fun out of war, I'll tell you. <laughs> there is no fucking <laughs> war. It's good for absolutely nothing. Whoa. What is it good for? Actually, speaking of, uh, speaking of war, let's talk about the East Coast-West Coast war and the aftermath for it. See what I did there? The aftermath yeah yeah speaking of transitioning <laughs> let's talk about how death row just transitioned to snoop dogg's hands so snoop dogg finally he's living the american dream he bought his former place of work so he now owns death row records he bought it from a brand called mnrk music group which is one of those weird private equity firms that i just took it from suge knight when his life went belly up after he ran that guy over. But uh, Snoop Dogg said he's excited about acquiring a new labels brand, saying, I'm thrilled and appreciative of the opportunity to acquire the iconic and culturally significant Death Row Records brand, which has immense untapped future value. The 50, and I didn't know he was only 50-year-old Snoop Dogg said in a statement, it feels good to have ownership over the label that I was part of at the beginning of my career and as one of the founding members. This is an extremely meaningful moment for me. So how do you feel about Snoop Dogg like getting Death Row? Do you feel there's anything in there for him still? Do you feel there's any place really for Death Row to go? Is it all still completely in the past? I think, well, I think it's all just about having the catalogs. It's like when Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalog. It's about having the, that, that catalog and the royalties and being able to have, get the licensing money from it. But also, like, he could use it as, he's, used it, he's using it right now as a promotional tool because mm-hmm. his new album, I think he dropped it, what, this week? It's called. Was it this uh, week? I saw the single, but I didn't know he dropped the whole album this week. Yeah, the album. I think it dropped. I locked. I saw it on Spotify and it's called "Back on Death Row." So B O D R. So now that he owns it, you know. And the thing about Death Row is that it it's gone through different hands a couple of times. Where it was bought by this company named I think it's like EMC or something of that nature, which then sold to this other group. But that other group was owned by Hasbro. So for a while, Hasbro 
death row records, which is really weird. That's and wild. Hasbro it it got sold to this other group, so like like a bunch of like hedge fund managers and stuff like that. Then now it belongs to Snoop Dogg. So I mean, they get better in the hands of Snoop <laughs> in Snoop Dogg's hands than these like you know these rich suburban assholes who don't really care about the music. Yeah, of course it is. Right, I think. Yeah, without a doubt, and I think Snoop Dogg too. He's got respect for that label that you know, like you said, those rich suburban assholes would never have. And I'm hoping we do get you know some re-releases from this because there are certain Death Row albums that are not on Spotify. Like yeah, Murder really? Was a Case. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, Spotify. you're right. And that's you're got right. a couple of the best like Dog Pound uh, songs on it. Though the only thing that's kind of odd about this is Death Row, I think, did lose the rights to some of the music. Like, they no longer have the rights to The Chronic. I don't think they have the rights to All Eyes on Me. I, I don't so I feel like... They don't have the rights to, I believe, any Tupac music. I think that was all moved to uh, Fini Shakur. Yeah, back in 98. I mean, you still have, like, the stamp on there, but it's essentially just, like... A vanity labor. Promotion. Yeah. yeah. So really, Snoop Dogg yeah. bought his own like masters, and then like Corrupt and Daz's masters. Is is he still on good terms with Corrupt and Daz? Yeah, no, they uh, Dog Pound dropped an album like a year ago, and he was on there. Well, did they really? Yeah, they've been oh, dropping consistently. That. Was it good? It was what you would expect from the Dog Pound. It's okay. kind of like a similar sound that you get from Snoop, where it's like this retro, you know, like nineties. G funkish sound, but still updated a little bit. But correct. Yeah. Oh, you know what song I hope we get from this? There's a song that didn't appear on any albums or like anything. It's called Is it Drinking 40s and Puffing on a Blunt? And it has like the best corrupt verse on there. You gotta look it up after the show. But he okay. just goes like in there, like how people talk about like Warner Wars mm-hmm. with the verse on there. Like this is like the West Coast version of that where he just goes in for like a minute and a half. Ooh, okay. I'll definitely check it out. I'll probably bring that. Well, it's not on Spotify, though, right? I got to look it up on YouTube. It's on YouTube. There's actually like a music video for it, which makes it wild that there's not, it's not on Spotify or any albums I was able to find. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but this also, if you remember, tomorrow is also the Super Bowl where Snoop Dogg is performing alongside Dre, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige. I mean, could this all be, I mean, the timing lines up too perfectly. This has got to mean that they're going to do some type of death row thing at the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I wonder how uh, Game feels about not being included in that Super Bowl um, show. I mean, when is the last like, time it's been, like, relevant? I mean, how long ago is 2005? He's just had a cold 17 years. He'll be okay. He'll come back years. tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Um, it's almost like Kendrick Lamar took the spot that he wanted. Because Kendrick Lamar is, is the rapper that the game wanted to be. That's true. Ah, anyways, let's move from the West Coast to the dark side of the moon with Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. All right, so how familiar are you with Zack Snyder's work, body of work? I saw that four-hour cut of the Justice League movie, and I think I saw Did he do Watchmen? He did do Watchmen. Okay, those are the only two pieces of his work that I think I've seen. You haven't seen 300? I have not. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. Okay, so Zack Snyder, he wrote a movie called Rebel Moon, pitched it as a Star Wars movie. Essentially, this movie is 
Star Wars fan fiction, and we finally got the cast for it with Charlie Hunnam, Digimon Hansu. I I don't know. If Digimon. Shut up. Uh, Bay Donna and Ray Fisher, who you remember from that four-hour Justice League movie, was Cyborg. They they're on board to be to start to be in Rebel Moon, which is the epic fantasy sci-fi movie that he's making for Netflix. Now, Jenna Malone is also in it, who you might remember as Barbara Gordon in Batman vs Superman, but not in the theatrical version, in the director's version, and. It's set to begin shooting in April. Here's the synopsis for the movie. Uh, Sophia Botella, who was the mummy in the Mummy reboot, she was also in... Oh, what else was she in? I think she was in Kingsman? She was Samuel Jackson's assistant. She's like... How do I... She's around. she's, She's like this actress who's really pretty, but the most distinctive thing about her is her chin. Kind of like a Cat Dennings like situation going She's got like a cleft chin. Mm. But anyway, crimson chin. The crimson. She's leading an ensemble. The story is: there's a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy. It's being threatened by the armies of this tyrannical regent named. Hold on, let me see if I can read this. Belisarius, and she's desperate. She sends out. She pretty much. She pretty much goes out to find out warriors from neighboring planets who will help her make a stand. So it's basically like Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. But like a, a Star Wars-ish version, a homage to it. So it seems like it's an homage to, I, I want to say like the Samurai films, but also Star Wars. Which mm, I feel so like... Just kinda, uh. I mean, I think it could be good. I mean, granted, Zack Snyder... Is not the best director, but it at least could be visually appealing. I think when it comes to visuals, he's got pretty decent, decent skills at it, unless it's like super slow-mo, which was one yeah. of the problems with Justice League, the Snyder Cut. But, and I think I that's know. an issue with the Watchmen, too, is they just kind of needlessly put in those slow-mo parts in there. Yeah, yeah true. But also, so, I think another thing about this movie is that... Oh, what was he going to say? I forgot. I, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, I think it could be good. They just need to keep Snyder away from that slow-mo button for a while. And, you know, then the movie will probably be half as long. It'll be two hours long instead of four hours. Yeah. Well, also, it, you know what movie is also kind of like this, but like a more comedy version? What's that? Do you remember the Three Amigos? I do remember that. With, uh, who is it? Chevy Chase. Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short. Yep. Yeah, like where it's like we need we need warriors to come and help us. So I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a it, it's yes, it's a classic story and it's a very much a classic trope, but I, it's kind of gotten played out a little bit. I would say. I don't know. A little bit. I feel like a lot of people have remade uh, Akira Kurosawa movies in different lights over the years, and a lot of them are kind of getting tired at this point. Because I mean, if you think about. Like, uh, was it the Fistful of Dollars? Yeah. Proceeded Good, Bad, and the Ugly. That was just a remake of Yojimbo. So, I mean, they've been redoing his different films for a long time. And I think Seven Samurai has been made into a couple other films, you know, that have been deeply uh, inspired by that initial film. Yeah. Actually, I've never seen Yojimbo. That's interesting. It's a good movie. It moves a little slow just because it was made back in the 50s, but yeah. I mean, if you stick with it, it's worth it. 
Okay, for sure, for sure. Maybe I just one day I just need to catch up and watch all Kurosawa movies. They're hard to find because I think they're on uh, the Criterion Collection and they're really stringent with their crap. Yeah, I the Criterion Collection is really dope. Those are the you verses you need to watch. Uh, no, but uh, I subscribed to this, the Criterion Channel streaming service for like um, two months and I just been to a bunch of uh, Criterion stuff. For sure, for sure. All right, now let's move on from something that is transition, something that is an homage to Star Wars, to something that is an homage to all sci-fi and fantasy. Oh, oh wait, yeah, yeah. Talking about one of the big, the big Nintendo Direct. This is our kind of we've combined both of our last topics into this, where it has basically one of my most anticipated games. Of the year, should we? How do you want to start this? Do you want to just go through in chronological order? Do you want to go from the big, the big one down to the littler ones, or how do you want to do this? Just in consciousness, whatever you feel like talking about. Because let's talk about Xenoblade. I am fucking hyped. I am so hyped for Xenoblade Three because, I, like, this is. I'm gonna gush a little bit, but they announced Xenoblade Three. It's if you haven't played any of the Xenoblade games, it is some of the best story. The first game is some of the best storytelling that I've ever seen in video games. The twist is so good. I'm excited for it. The second game is for some people, for some people, it's a little bit too anime ish. I happen to love it. People, some people don't like it. it. It's fine. They can have their wrong opinions, but the game comes out April 22nd, not April 22nd, September. 22nd 2022 i'm super hyped for it let's talk about uh some of the other games that were announced let me pull up my my list oh hang on hang on hang on i got an opinion on xenoblade 2 okay go on so i'm intrigued by the third one i played a little bit of the first one okay the story seems okay but like the combat in the game it seems like the uh the diet coke variety of like the combat that you get in the tales of games to where on there it's more of like this active combat where Xenoblade is just kind of like press a button, he hits him automatically, stand behind him, and he'll hit him. Like it's it's very much kind of like MM and MMO combat. Yeah. It's like very on rails, like at least feeling for me. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can stick with something for like a hundred hours that has oh, that combat. It's so good. It's so good. How far have you gone in the first one? I'm seven minutes in. Okay. <laughs> man just stick with it trust me all right, all right I'll, I'll take it to 14 minutes all right anyways moving on uh so they announced fire emblem warriors three hopes which is not exactly what i wanted from a new fire emblem game but you know i've you've played the first fire emblem warriors how was that game uh, i saw this game coming from a mile away really because they redid the uh yeah because they did the hyrule warriors warriors last week or last week last year a couple years ago a few years ago and it kind of fits the same pattern that they did with the original hyrule hyrule warriors and then the fire emblem warriors games yeah. to where it's kind of this one two every other year so i'm really interested in this i really did like the first one it's very button mashy it's very kind of like you put on podcasts in the back and do your objectives on there the one thing i do hope they work on is the ai in it because the ai in the warriors games tends to be kind of trash do we have to babysit them all the time or just like swap out like because you can swap out different characters in there and you just 
basically take care of the situation at hand. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious to see if they're going to treat it like how they did with the uh, Breath of the Wild one, where it's going to be like a continuation of the story, if it's going to be like a retelling, if it's going to be like a multiverse thing. So it's uh, definitely got me intrigued. And, you know, I don't pre-order, but I'm probably going to be like a day one buy for me. I so I, I played the and not the played. I've I know what happens at the end of the Zelda one, and I hate it. I really hope they don't do that with this one. I wouldn't be surprised because you got to think about the merchandising and everything with that. Make just make it so that the first. I, I want this game. My hopes is that this game, the story will be like the, the fourth or no, the not the fourth, the fifth path, the golden path, the critical path where. You know, it's everyone combined, you know, joining forces as opposed to in the actual Fire Emblem Three Houses where you have to pick a side. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's what it is. We'll see, though. Let's move yeah. on. Advanced Wars 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp. This game looks amazing. The animation looks dope. I'm excited for it. I really like the first Advanced Wars on the GBA. What about you? Andy? Yeah. Super excited for it. Like th- I was really disappointed when this got pushed back to was it now like it's a March or April? It's now it's coming, coming out. out in April, I believe. So yeah, it was supposed to come out in December and then when it got pushed, I was like, ah, damn. But that's the one thing I really did want from this direct was getting the date on Advance Wars. Yeah. Meh. Well we'll we'll uh we'll we'll see. I'll probably buy day one. All right, what else? Portal collection portal do it for you no it did it for me 10 years ago but i'm kind of over it so you know valve should probably think about making like a new game learning a new number perhaps yeah but you know it's whatever uh mlb the show basically i mean the big thing about this that i think is kind of what's the word i'm looking for uh is that it's a Sony first-party studio making games for a Nintendo console? So that's pretty. That's pretty weird. I mean, that's interesting. My brother's birthday today. Have to buy him a game for his new Switch. Name a must-have game about about him. Former personal trailer. Now he thinks he's the Punisher. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I now I know exactly who this is now. Um, why don't you get him uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three so he can play as the Punisher? There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, or if you hate him, just get him a Call of Duty on Switch. <laughs> do they even have Call of Duty on Switch? I don't know. If they do, it probably looks like a PS two game. Um. What is a what would you say is a must have game on the Switch? I mean Zelda, Mario, Mario Odyssey. Odyssey. I mean he has um, kids, so I think Mario Odyssey he could play it with his with his kids. Yeah. That's, oh Mario Kart. Or Mario Kart, yeah. Speaking yeah. of Mario Kart, good transition. They announced the Mario Kart Booster Track Pack, which they are releasing forty eight new courses. For Mario Kart. Now, they're all remasters, of course, from the previous games, but I still think that's pretty cool if they're remaking old levels that people love and putting them on the new one. Now, at first, it's kind of like, ah, they're just making, like, course DLC. Seems like some, like, transaction stuff, which it is, 
But they also but, said that it's going to be free if you own the Switch Online Pass, which is giving value to having the expansion pass. I feel like that's them trying to get in the good graces of people that kind of burned with that like online expansion pass because the emulation on the N64 games was kind of trash. And yeah, they threw in the you know Happy Homemaker or whatever that was for the Animal Crossing DLC. But I think this is them really trying to get back into like, hey, this was worth it. As no. far as... Go ahead. Let's say as far as I'm just adding content to an already existing game, I feel that's just kind of the world we live in at this point where these games just kind of exist forever. Like Overwatch, it's been around forever. It hasn't gotten an update. Goddamn GTA 5 won't go away. They keep just adding like million dollar cars to it. So I think it's just kind of the climate we're in now. So maybe Mario Kart 9 will come out in 2032. Yeah. Um, so next, let's talk about Mario Strikers Battle League. I mean, not much to say. I'm excited for this game, but I feel like a lot of the Mario sports games as of recently, they have looked really cool when they first get released, and then when they come out, it's kind of like, it's bare bones. So, I'm going to wait on this one. As you should. I feel like it's like that for a lot of games that Nintendo releases to a certain extent. Yeah. Where they don't put, they don't jam-pack a whole lot of stuff in there. That's why when you get things like Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, where there is a lot of like extra content, it really kind of stands out amongst, like you said, the sports games or even kind of that Pokemon game that came out recently where it had like a great core concept, but they really could have evolved it a little bit more than they did. Yeah. Um, Nice Samantha says, no, Mario Strikers is fun. Yeah, I mean, I bet it is. But the problem is with is like, I, like if you look at the screen, like you see the roster and it's not that many characters. And like you'll maybe you'll get like five or six courses. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it I is. think the question on everybody's mind is can you build a full soccer team out of Waluigi's? But yeah. Uh what else? We don't have to talk about Kingdom Hearts because man <laughs> look at the switch. Because it's it's the Switch version on cloud. That's gonna look like trash, like how Hitman 3 looked like trash on Switch. Planoa? Are you going to get that? Are you, I was a little excited for that. I'm sorry? Are, are you, Klonoa, the collection, oh. one and two? You know, I don't know. I might, because I was also looking at the Thai collection on Switch as well. I'm kind of a sucker for the uh, mascot platformers. So yeah, same. When it hits a sale, I might scoop it up. Okay, okay. Uh, Splatoon 3, they showed off more of the Salmon Run mode. Which, you know, it, it didn't really sell me more on the game. I'm already pretty much sold. I love Splatoon, so I'm sure Splatoon 3 is going to be fun. Yeah, I've already got, you know, some costs in on that uh, franchise, so I'm all in on Splatoon 3. Right, what else was shown? Let's see. We, uh, Chrono Cross getting a remaster. I'm, you know, I'm <clears> a big RPG guy. I'm going to probably get that. But I, I found that surprising. Really? Yeah, like, why would they immediately jump to Chrono Cross when, you know, was it Chrono Trigger's been kind of stuck on the DS for the last, like, 10 years? True. Uh, I think that would be a good pixel remaster, too. That would be, oh, 2D HD? Mm -hmm. Of Chrono Trigger? Boy, yo, (laughs) yo! Speaking of 2D HD, Live Alive? That looks phenomenal. I know nothing about this game. Me neither. I'm not going to pre-order it, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm, it. I'm I'm sold on that game. That game looks 
fantastic. I was like, what is this? Um, triangle strategy, also 2D HD. I'm sold on that. I'm a big tactics guy. Did you play the demo for that? Not yet. I'm trying to go completely un blind on that one. Okay, just just so you're aware, like there's voice acting in that, and it very much reminds me of like late '90s, like PlayStation One, like RPG, like voice acting. Oh no, it's not it's not amazing. So just be prepared because I was like playing the demo. I was like, is this just, like placeholder like voices, or like is this like going to be in the real game? Can you? Can, I wonder just so you know, the Japanese. I just turn it off. Like I don't know. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess that's finally, all that happened in the. Uh, that's all that happened in the direct. There's no other games. Shut up. Uh. Anyways, let's go through these others. Uh, Earthbound, Earthbound, and Earthbound Beginnings coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah. Have you played it yet? I'm excited. I'm excited. I played Earthbound. I got far on Earthbound Beginnings, but then I got to a boss I couldn't beat and dropped it. So that game's hard. Yeah, I mean, well, you remember, like, the old slogan, like, Nintendo hard. Yeah. they weren't playing, like, those games were for real only, like, eight hours long. But they're going to find a way to make it, like, 30 hours long. Because you got to, you know, grind and everything else. There was a moment where I was like, oh, my God, okay, Earthbound and Earthbound (laughs) Beginnings. And they paused. And I was like, Mother 3? Mother 3? Never. Oh. Uh, I feel like if they do Mother 3, it's going to be something really kind of weird. Like, they're going to be like, oh, here's the GBA classic. Yeah, or... For the first time ever, it's Mother 3, and it's not backlit. I wonder if they would, like, remake it. Well, they just need to actually release it in North America first before they can remake it. I mean, yeah, you never know. I mean, they remade Live Alive, and they never released it. Um, And then... I was going to say, uh, let's uh, run through the last one, which is also a big one. Nintendo Switch Sports. I'm surprised at that one. I mean, essentially... So, it's funny because all of all of the places are calling it Wii Sports 2, forgetting mm-hmm. about Wii Sports Resort. Because everyone also, forgot about the second half of the life cycle of the Wii. Uh, but also Wii Sports Club on the Wii U. So this is technically Wii Sports 4. I'm surprised it took them this long to get here. Like, this seems like something that would have been great kind of coming out of the gate with the Switch a few years ago because the Joy-Cons are so much more accurate than the damn Wiimotes ever were. So yeah, I really mean, would have been... What Nintendo should have done, honestly, is they should have... This is what they should have done. All right? And now Nintendo should hire me. But they should have... Packaged, oh, should they? They should. They should package 1-2 Switch... It was the Switch. It should have been like a tech demo that came with the game. Mm-hmm. And then they should have announced Wii Sports, this Switch Sports, the following year. Like in the same, the same, uh, the same month that it re- released. So it would have been March. So. Oh, that would have been smart. Yeah, see? I have idea. I have good ideas when it comes to Nintendo I stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's it. There was an update for Metroid Dread. Which have you have you tried that game at all? I still haven't opened my copy. Oh, I'm at the end of it right now. I'm stuck gonna, on like the second to last boss. Are you gonna do the no hit dread mode? Absolutely not. I'm gonna go back and play the baby mode, actually. <laughs> so that way I don't lose my shit at the uh the boss encounters. Cause some of them towards the end just like I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that game is I heard that game is only like six hours long. 
but it'll feel like 20. Yeah, they'll get 20 hours out of your life on that game, just uh, fighting the same damn creatures over and over again. Also, so is that it? Or is... That, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there was Front Mission, which I've never played, but I heard it was kind of a big deal back in the, whatchamacallit, in the PS1 era. Have you ever played those games, Front Mission? Nah, never have. It's another tactical RPG. It seems like this is the year for the tactical RPG. I'm glad that we're, that's finally catching on out here. Like, I've, that's been an undervalued, you know, genre for a long time. For the yeah. Tactical RPGs. Because with Front Mission, then you have Advanced Wars, Triangle Strategy. We have the other Mario and Rabbids game. So, Do you feel that part of this is a reaction to um, Fire Emblem Heroes being so successful on the mobile platforms where they're saying, like, hey, there is this market for these tactical RPGs? I don't know. Maybe. Huh. Well, I, I don't know. It could be because because it doesn't really seem like Nintendo's been putting a lot of stock into their mobile games because besides Fire Emblem Heroes, it hasn't really been successful. I mean, they've had to cancel like two of them. So they have. But I thought like that's been successful, and then the Animal Crossing one was reasonably successful. Was it? So, I mean, they've had a couple. I thought so. No one really talks about Pocket Camp ever That's since the real game came out. That's true. Well, I mean, the real game kind of killed, like, anything Pocket Camp could ever dream to come up with. True. All right. Let's move on to our top five segment. All right. So You're not going to talk about Kirby? I'm surprised. <laughs> oh. Oh, do you want? Yeah, we didn't talk about Kirby. Right. Well, I'll go back. Oh, right. Let's right. go back. All right. Hold on, guys. <laughs> we didn't talk about Kirby. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, ah! Fake fan, you're a fake fan. Fake fan. Uh, I got so caught up with everything else. Look, Kirby and the Forgotten Land looks like a ten out of ten. It looks like the best game. It's gonna be the best game of the year. I'm calling it right now. That game looks like Mario Odyssey on crack. I'm ex- so I'm- excited. I would give it to you on that. It looks like it's going to be one of the best games of the year, but the best game of the year is going to be the Sonic the Hedgehog open world game. Shut up. Shut up. I mean, shut up. Anyways, it, it, looks, it looks fantastic. Kirby in the Forgotten World. Oh my God. Look at that. Look at that boy. Look at the car. Look what he can do. All right. Okay. But Sonic's better because he doesn't need a car. He just, he's the fastest thing alive. Shut up. So, shut up. Kirby is Kirby shouldn't need there's like a thing where it's like to get it to high ledges, like Kirby like swallows like this like cherry picker that he can like use to get up. But he didn't strike it as weird for years. It makes yeah, no right? sense. But oh, man, whatever. So high. I don't know if I can get up there, even though I can fly like a balloon. Uh let me haunt this cherry picker. How do you think he manipulates it? Do you think it's all like the tongue work in there? Like, how do you think he drives a car? Is it just like his tongue going to town on like the no steering wheel? wheel? I have no idea. I want to see the schematics of how like the inner workings of all that. The and uh, the anatomy of Kirby. Yes. Uh, this game looks fantastic. I'm so excited. It's yeah. This looks like a. It's going to be a classic. Ten, Hopefully, ten, don't fuck it up. Uh, ten years from now, we'll be talking about this game. We'll be talking about twenty 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 two as the year of Kirby. I mean, that's a weird way to say Sonic, but sure. All right, whatever. Anyways, now <laughs> I, I see all the slander in the chat, and I want to say I hate all of you. So now let's move on to our top five, Mikey. All right. So uh, also, uh, hold on. I realized I just messed up 
because uh, I, I totally didn't have the why it's fourth topic in there, which was about the Oscars. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Have you guys seen the Oscar movies? Any uh, the only ones I've seen were uh, being the Ricardos and Dune. I've only seen being the Ricardos as well. I have seen. Notes. None of them, but let me tell you why they're wrong. <laughs> why? So, actually, I don't care about most of these. I do find it a little weird that Licorice Pizza is on the nomination for Best Picture of the Year because, Joe, have you like done any research on that movie? Mikey told me something about it that it's something racist. Well, there's that, and there's also, like, sexual grooming that's happening to, like, an underage boy in that movie by an older woman. So, yeah, like, that's kind of a key part of that. So I find it interesting that a movie that has that so explicitly is up for such a large award. Mm. But um, Also, I find it weird that a Disney movie, um, Shang-Chi, got the nomination of special effects over Godzilla versus Kong, which obviously I'm biased, but even putting that aside, you can look at that movie and kind of see that it's kind of far and away, visually more intricate than a lot of the Disney movies where Kong and Godzilla both look like living, breathing creatures, as opposed to like the glowing lights that tends to be a lot of the Disney movies. I will say Shang-Chi has really good uh, 3D. But does that mean that it is it the best 3d that you've seen that no it was ago? not it was not uh the because i have a uh, godzilla versus kong on 3d blu-ray and it is amazing and uh, i don't think it yeah, like it compares or the this well some marvel movies because marvel 3d is really good but uh okay but uh but i'm just talking about like the fidelity of you know the computer animation yeah 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 no yeah because marvel movies i agree with you on that this is what I'm mad about the Oscar, right? Okay, here we go. Not only, not only was Belt snubbed for best animated feature, but it was snubbed for best picture, which it was the best movie of last year. Okay, so going on that now, how many times has there ever been an anime movie that has been nominated for either of those categories? Uh, Spirited Away. Up. So you can think of one from 21 years ago. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, no, Pixar's up, wasn't it? Wait, what? Pixar's up with the balloon. No, House? no, an anime, an anime. Oh, movie, anime. Oh shit. Okay, I thought you meant animated. Okay, never mind. But yeah, uh, I'm a top here. Amazing Pixar movie. But um, i okay. So a few beefs I have with that, like anime movie, they're never gonna get a. Uh, an Oscar, like even one as amazing as like your name or, you know, ones like that, there just isn't that following there. I feel it's still a little too niche in it to where the general public is not going to go see it enough. I don't, and the way the Oscars are set up where they go and they just send basically gifts and all that to the different people who yeah. choose. No, I, I know the politics. Togo's not going to go and do that. But they're still wrong. They're still wrong. Well, yeah, the Oscars have been wrong almost every, you know, Season. Someone still bitch. Like, look at all the amazing movies that never won. I'm going. This is this is this is the plan, right? When I become rich and famous and 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 you know powerful, 
and Hollywood. So supreme right? leader, yes. So yes. when your dictatorship begins. Exactly. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to host the Oscars, but anime movie is going to win Best Picture of the Year. And I'm a sl- Every there- year. And then the whoever the kind of person who is like the director of the academy, well, I'll go to him and I'm gonna slap him one time and be like sussy baka, and then that's gonna fix everything. So you're gonna okay. I'm gonna speaking fix everything. of speaking of host, there, I think I read something that they're gonna have a. Uh, when's the last time you guys watched the Oscars? Mm. Okay, it's been a while. So what they're trying to do is that they're gonna have. I think I read if this is correct. So if I'm wrong, please someone correct me. Uh, they're going to have three hosts for this year's Oscars, and they're going to present the Oscar ceremony in a three-act structure, which I don't know how that would work or make sense, but uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, aside from the hosting part, Kevin Smith said that uh, the Oscars not nominating No Way Home for... Uh, I forgot what categories like it should have been nominated for more things because uh uh I forget how he phrased it He's saying like popularity of films should uh also be part of the barometer of like what can be a best picture like because most of the he thinks it should be a factor and among like many the mm. art stuff like artsy things including like the stunt work. Because Dunwork is still not uh, getting any recognition in the Academy. And, uh, yeah. Just I disagree. Like, so he's saying that movies that take in more should be recognized more often by the Academy? No way. Uh, yeah, let me just find a direct quote. Okay, Kevin Smith outraged Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, he said... <laughs> I love that title. Uh, I would just like to congratulate the good folks who made No Way Home for the very deserved wait, oh for the very deserved Best Picture nomination that I'm sure it got. I didn't read the nods before he uh, read the nominations and then his reaction. Oh, it was during a show on his podcast, Fat Man Beyond and uh, he mm-hmm. said, what the F they got 10 slots. They can't give one to the biggest movie of the last three years and they're like, why won't anyone watch the show? Like, freaking make a populist choice Look, man, you got how many slots? Throw in Spider-Man, for God's sake. Let him swing in there. Uh, freaking poor kid's always getting crapped on and stuff. And so Peter Parker some love. I'm not even being facetious. With as many movies as they now nominate for Best Picture. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and he's... Uh, Kevin's... Oh, sorry. Well, one more thing. Uh, his stream got cut off and then he, he was joking. I guess he's a kid. The conspiracy is real. I spoke about Spider-Man not being nominated by the Academy and we got tossed off a YouTube titles, do things together in the two lives. Okay. No, he was just trolling, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it should have got nominated to be honest. I mean, it was, you, you know, just because it's a superhero movie doesn't mean that it's not a really good, I mean, you have all these directors and cinema people saying like, uh, it's not really art. It's not really cinema. They're just this, that, and other, but like, no, like these are important things. These, these stories matter. They're well told. I mean, just because it's a part of a franchise doesn't mean that it shouldn't be congratulated. What's the difference between someone, you know, being inspired by Spider-Man and telling a good story, some a comic book that was written in like the 40s, than someone pretty much being inspired by the Lord of the Rings and making a really good movie off of it? They're both, you know, kind of niche like 
things. They're kind of nerdy things. Why? What's the difference? And the, I don't to, know. to support uh, Kevin Smith's, like, you know, like, our age, like, compared to when Avatar got nominated, I mean, that story is, like, whatever, but it got yeah. nominated for Best Picture, and then uh, it had received a bunch of nominations, and, uh, yeah, because it was a game-breaking film, but, like, Story-wise, it was just whatever. The graphics were everything. Looked, looked amazing. Same with No Way Home. Because I, I, I would say the story of No Way Home and Avatar, uh, I mean, they're not like the best stories in the world, but they were definitely entertaining, in my opinion. See, I say I do agree that they're entertaining, though I feel part of the power of a movie is what stays with you beyond the movie and kind of stays with you after the movie. When I go and see Marvel movies, especially, there tends not to be a lot of things that kind of linger on in my head, you know, feelings that linger on that like stay with me once the movie's over. Once it's wrapped, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to get for lunch instead of, you know, like a movie like Taxi Driver where it stays with you at the end Mm -hmm. or, you know, some of these other. Or the movies, or like, do you? I think with like certain Marvel movies, like Spider Man and Endgame, like those are things that stick with people. I don't know. I know someone who still can't watch what happens after Tony snap, Tony Stark snaps after Endgame because it emotionally like scarred them. Oh, oh, where he snaps and he kills all those people, or he kills himself. Oh, that's right. That snap. But, uh, so, um, yeah, so that's the, that's our Oscar topic talk for that. And uh, now we will move on to our top five discussion. And this week, I ask you guys, what is your top five childhood crushes? Starting with uh, Gio? Or what do you guys want to I'll go first? Why it's hard. Huh? All right, so starting out, I just want to point, if anyone sees any type of pattern in this, it's, you know, completely coincidence. So, do I start at number five or number one, Mikey? Uh, five. 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 So, five is Kelly... I don't know how to say her middle name. Kelly Williams, basically better known as Laura from Family Matters. Um, they probably work better with, like, a visual aid. So, if you ever saw Family Matters and she was the one that Urkel was just, like, constantly pestering the whole time. But, yeah. All right. My number five... Melissa Joan Hart. Now, those of you, some of you may recognize Melissa Joan Hart as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I remember her as Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All. I was very much a Nickelodeon kid growing up. Like when I was a young kid, I would watch Nick uh, Nick Jr. When I was a you know more of a grown kid, I watched Nick uh, Nickelodeon. And then I even sometimes would stay up late and watch Think at Night. But there's something about Melissa Joan Hart where she was kind of this, like, a little bit of a sarcastic, everyday teen that I was just like, uh, I just remember being, like, four or five years old watching that show, not understanding any of, like, the teenage songs she had, but being like, yo, she's cute. Uh, Chill382 said, where's Alex Mack? Uh, not on my top five, unfortunately, Chill, but I, I definitely was more of a Clarissa Explains It All guy. All right. All right. So my number four is Rosanda Thomas, better known as Chili from TLC. Oh. And oh yeah, I mean, easily the best member of TLC. I know a lot of people gravitate towards Left Eye, but I don't know. She just had like a certain like smoothness to her, and just like a certain coolness that I don't think the other two had. 
So she always like stood out to me. And was she the one that got cheated on by Usher? Yeah, and then that's why. Yeah, she was. got one of the best R and B albums of all time, Confessions. Yeah, true. I'm very surprised that a certain snub off of this list. I'll mention it when the list yeah. is complete. Oh, I was no. very, right. very surprised you guys left someone out. But come on. Oh wait, I think I know who you're talking about. Maybe we'll see. All right, number four is Brandy. Now I just so Brandy. I got exposed to Brandy, the singer, who also had a sitcom because my cousins watched her show all the time. And Brandy's just got like well, one she can sing, and then two, she's got like a very like just very beautiful smile, like a radiant like just kind of like being a kid, like not really caring about what my cousins would do, but they'd always watch Brandy, and I was just like, yo, like, all right, like, she pretty. All right. I had a a friend in high school whose mom said that Brandy looked like Jiminy Cricket, and we'd be in there watching the Brandy show. She's like, oh, are you watching the Jiminy Cricket show? Also, I've always been Team Monica over Brandy, so I don't know if you... If you're a fake fan of Brandy, like you are Kirby, or if you remember, like the Brandy versus Monica debate, but you know, just throwing it out there. <laughs> get out of here! But, All right, shut. Get that. Get out of here. So angry, just because I'm right. Um, so my number three is Karen Parsons, who is better known as Hillary from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. She's also in the movie Class Act. If you ever have a chance to see that, kid and play, it's a classic. Um. You know, I, I don't know. I just thought she's a good actress. Um, yes, because she's had many other roles other than those two. Between those two, I mean, she's... <laughs> well, I feel like after Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that was such a fucking... Shut up. It was such a big show that she kind of got typecast into that role afterwards. Yeah. Because, I mean, who else really had a career after that show other than Uncle Phil and Will Smith? Uh, because he had America's Funniest Home Videos like 20 years later. So I guess... Technically him, but I don't know. I think she retired from acting shortly after that show concluded as well, though, because I think she retired in, like, 98. Okay, okay, fair enough. All right, my number three. No, it's, it's Olympic season. So let's talk about my crush when I and my parents would put on the Winter Olympics, Michelle Kwan. And I, you know, figure skaters, I've always been like, yo, like figure skaters, they got the outfits, they're out there spinning around. And I was like, Michelle Kwan was the hype back then. And, you know, as like a, I think it was like 45, 40, uh, 40, 94, not 45, 94, 95 is when she was pretty much winning the goals. And I was like, yo, she's really pretty. And I think there was an episode of Sesame Street that she was on. So, yeah, Michelle Kwan, she, he got that fire on the ice. The ice and fire. Uh, still, 382 said surprise no wife sees yet. Actually, these are all actual 3D people. Surprise, surprise. We're camping the third dimension on this one. We're, yeah, we're hitting the third dimension on this one. All right. Okay. Number two for me was Maya. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, she, to me, is just like quintessential like 90s girl. Just like the whole look she had. The music she had, just everything is just like she always brings me back to that, you know, watching her music videos and yeah. I, I think the only music video for Maya I really watched was the My Love is Like. That was the biggest one, right? Yeah. 
like my love it's like yo and that was a hot video that was fire yeah no she had a bunch of good videos all right my number two topanga from boy meets world i think topanga's got to be on almost any 90 90s boys at least like top 15 list like she may not be in your top five but for me topanga was was up there she you know she had she was just like I don't know how to describe it. She was like the girl next door who was also the popular girl, who was also the smart girl. Just so, 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 so damn pretty. And I think especially for like boys my age or, or girls, you know, we don't we don't judge here or non-binary people, whatever. You know, she was just kind of like the all-in-one package. Like, and you were like, damn, like Corey really is kicking outside of his coverage. Like she's out of his league. And it gave oh, hope to many many of us guys. Who are like, yo, like maybe we too can one day be like, uh, we can too can one day find someone who is out of our league. So for sure. Someday. Do we need to pick a different number two? I accidentally we can't revealed agree it earlier. But go on. Tell us your number two. All right. Oh, my number right. two? Unless you have more to say about Maya. I mean, sorry to cut that off. Oh, I already, I already yeah. picked my number two. Yeah, he's been going on about Topanga for a while. Oh, shit. I, what the heck? I had a brain fart. What the heck? Sorry. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. All right. So, my number one, quintessential 90s girl, Janet Jackson. Ooh, okay. Had the albums, she had Poetic Justice. She just had a, like an amazing decade. Like, I don't know. I feel like she's... Like any guys like top, I'd say like 10 for like 90s before the plastic surgery, before all the weird stuff, just straight when, you know, Janet Jackson was Janet Jackson, Velvet Rope, the Janet album, you know, coming off of Rhythm Nation. Yeah. Wait, uh, Cause she had, did you watch the latest Janet Jackson documentary that came out like uh, I didn't. two weeks ago? I didn't. I'm a little torn on it because I don't know because I've heard kind of conflicting things of how accurate it really is because she seems kind of apologetic for a lot of stuff that she shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably end up watching it just as a fan later on, but it wasn't something that I would leapt onto immediately. Yeah, I heard a well, I didn't hear any like mixed reviews. I well, the people I follow are like, oh my god, like Janet Jackson, like this is the she finally is getting like recognition with this documentary of all the things that she has accomplished in her career and stuff and uh, it's a lot it's crazy like she she's had a hit in every decade i think yeah she has oh damn i mean control is one of the best i know mm -hmm. like thrillers like an amazing album from the 80s but janet jackson's control her second album is also like amazing so if you haven't heard that you got to look it up it's on spotify no excuse well, have you guys seen uh this youtube video or of where in janet jackson brought a fan on stage and had him like no. strap down no. and she would sing to him and then he was like freaking out it's kind of hilarious and uh it's very cringy to watch but it's like you can't look away because it's, it's, it's so bad i'll look for it and link it in the chat so everyone <laughs> okay <laughs> all right for sure all right all right my number one and honestly like if you know if you know me this shouldn't be as no surprise right my number one is Selena. 
because goddamn she could sing. She had the hits. Like she oh my god, she's so everything. She is like radiance. I remember even as a you know, as a young boy seeing her perform in that burgundy dress, like her like that like the most iconic like burgundy dress ever. That wasn't I, a dress. <laughs> it was uh yo, like Selena was it. Like she she had the bangers and it it's oh my god. I just sometimes I think about like what her career like could have been if you know mm-hmm. she was tragically murdered. And yeah. Uh chill. Three eighty two says, I live in her town. Oh you do, that's right. I forgot. You from you from where you from the Mecca, the Selena Mecca. Yeah, I'm sure like in Texas she's like revered. Like throughout Pretty, they have to have like a brass sculpture of her in every town out there. Only saving grace. Yeah, no, they 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 have to, man. Like honestly, if if we if we did a top five of like people that I hate, like Yolanda would be in like probably like there. The lady that murdered her. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be like her and like Robert Ori. But yeah. You know, I knew that she was like the top of your list. So I purposely did not put Selena on my top five, but she's you know everybody's top five from the nineties. Yeah, no, for sure. Save to watch. Oh, is that the Janet Jackson video, Mikey? Yeah. All right. All right. Holy, hold on. So I'm very, very surprised that no, uh, either of you guys didn't put uh, Amy Jo Johnson, aka uh, the Pink Power Ranger. I, I, I was thinking about that, and it really came down to basically what did I watch more as a kid? And she was going to be my top five, but I was like, I really watch Clarissa explains it all, explains it all, explains it all all the time as a kid, and I didn't really watch the Power Rangers as much. Because I was mm-hmm. a Nickelodeon kid. So it's definitely about exposure. Okay. And I did watch Power Rangers, but I, was, I like Trini more. So. I also did like Trini more. Yeah. Same. Well, and, uh, they're all they're all in the same tier for me. But yeah. Alright, so that is our, our that is their top five childhood crushes. And now, for the 1v1 showdown, here is the question. Has anime gone mainstream what are your guys takes on this all right uh why don't let go first all right so i'm saying yes it has gone mainstream i say this because of you see like the ticket sales from certain movies like demon slayer there's a reason that's like it was like the biggest movie last year i think other than spider-man i think spider-man beat it but worldwide i think demon slayer had it um would have just the amount of imports and merchandise availability that you have now where anime is no longer this thing that's kind of like tucked in the back of like Spencer's gifts for like you to go find next to like all the weird sex stuff in the back. It's now like at the front of the store, you got it at Walmart, you got it at Target. Um, there's everything's being imported now as opposed to like back in the day where like, you had to go find somebody who knew someone that like imported some like VHS that was like roughly translated about things. Like I was watching uh, a lead of battle angel, the anime from the early nineties and how like that translation, that whole deal was like super, super rough, but it was a reflection of the times because anime was still super fringe back then. So you got these really rough, like translations and just American cuts of things, you know, it's saved for like Akira, which is amazing. Um, 
I'd also say like the anime convention, the attendance on that has gone up significantly over the past decade or so, especially within the last five or six years. Um, there's more vanilla pop culture references where they can reference anime characters and people get the reference. Um, I feel that My Hero Academia and Demon Slayer has kind of been like a watershed in terms of making anime more mainstream. It's doing for kids now what kind of Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon did for our generation to where it becomes kind of this more of a pop culture cornerstone. I think as those franchises continue on, you'll see that more and more. Um, And then just general public knowledge of anime characters. I feel that's a good telltale sign as well. There are people in the Midwest who know, you know, who Goku is, who know, you know, who Usagi is maybe not by that name, just by Sailor Moon, but you know, they definitely have that exposure to it. And again, going back to the merch availability where it's available everywhere, there's kiosks in the mall that only sell like anime merch. Now where you didn't have that back in the day, you had to go to some lonely comic book store and hope they, that the owner imported something. So yeah, that's in a nutshell, my argument as to why it's mainstream. Now, I will concede to you that anime has become more popular, but I would not say that it is mainstream because earlier we were just talking about the Oscars, and even you said that it has not reached the mainstream level. Where I knew you were going to bring that up. I, uh, you just fucked yourself, Wee! But you, you basically said it hasn't reached an anim- It hasn't reached the level to where it is mainstream to where we will see an anime movie become, you know, an Oscar. Oscar even nominee to where it won't get it won't get nominated. I mean, honestly, Demon Slayer was the most sold, like you said, movie of was the last year or the year before in both Japan and worldwide and the United States. It's a cultural phenomenon in the sense that it but it has not reached the niche or it hasn't reached past the niche. It is still a culture like not culture, but like cult classic it is still something that only us you know we abuse that we we still we, that we care about i'll i'll wear my anime shirts on public and i'll still get weird looks from people like it has well, you get weird looks from people because of other reasons but yeah that's <laughs> you know what screw you you right. stop shouting people stop staring at you so much <laughs> anyways ah. anyways it, it i don't think it's reached the mainstream level we still have we still have people who who don't even though they don't really care for like you know anime in general even things that are like vanilla like my hero academia and demon slayer even though well i like demon slayer i don't really care for my hero academia but people didn't still you read the whole manga oh i i really <laughs> liked the beginning and then it fell off for me yeah but all right i i don't so, think it, i don't think it's reached the mainstream yet you go ask. Exactly. I was gonna say you go ask any person on the street. Hey, you know who Deku is? And I think you're only maybe three, two, two to three people out of ten will say yes. They know. You know what? We got to go do a uh, a street segment of the show. We start asking people. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down to do a street segment. All right, come out to Sack and we'll do a street segment downtown and see. I'll, I'll, I'll bring I'll bring Mikey and uh, we'll have like characters on. Like, Let's have uh, Mikey dress up as Deku, and we'll be like, "Who is this?" Uh, 
Okay, so Mikey's that. obviously on board. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. So, okay, so I feel like you kind of let me clarify my statement from earlier. In me saying that anime is still kind of niche, and I'm talking more of the academy that chooses the awards for or chooses films for those awards, but yeah. mainstream popularity that's within the general public like consciousness. You go and say that Demon Slayer was the highest like grossing movie from last year in Japan and worldwide in your argument against it being mainstream. Don't you think that's a little counterintuitive to your argument to say to admit that it was the highest grossing film of the last year? Okay, but we're that's talking about worldwide as far as Japan and China and we're all speaking mainstream. But they but that's in a different country. Mainstream America it's it's still niche. It was one of the highest-grossing films in America. No, it was the highest-grossing film worldwide. So we're combining all of them. Can Mikey look up and see what the highest-grossing, where it stands for American like intake of last year? All right, uh, I guarantee. What am I switching right now? Not, what's the what, uh, what? Demon Slayer ticket sales? All right, for twenty twenty one. I'll get back to you with North America. America. Right. Yeah, in North America. <clears throat> but I guarantee you, it did not make as much as some of the big blockbusters. We have well, yeah, I didn't make as much as fucking Spider Man. I'm freaking Spider Man. Like, that's like the all time like biggest mainstream like superhero ever. Versus like, which is essentially still like a mainstream though emerging like art form because people are finally getting over their you know bit of xenophobia over you know Asian culture and you know letting also, that like anime still has a lot of those also like stereotypes that people think it's some weird like pervert thing. Which well, I mean, it uh, is, but people are becoming more. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of that there, but it's yeah. not all of what you know mainstream is. Like, I work with kids, and I ask them if they've ever seen a Ghibli movie, and like ninety percent of them have never seen a Ghibli movie. Are you serious? This yeah. I work in like ninety percent of the kids have or have like demon, like they have all this like Demon Slayer shit, and nice. there's kids that show up in like. Mm-hmm. Give Speaking. movie TV or mm-hmm. T-shirts. Granted, the school I work in has a large Asian pop uh, population, so I don't know if that has something to do with it. You think maybe our samples are you know heavily varied? Where you're in Concord, I'm in like South Sac, so I'm sure that would you know could be like a sampling error. And I, I think a lot of it, oh, like, and even and like we 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 if we talk about like race into like anime, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's, it's gone definitely, like, we, we could talk about how in Latin America, like, anime is really big because of, like, when people when people were looking for content to put in Latin American TV shows, they took a lot of anime. So, like, even my parents, like, watched, like, some of those older cartoons growing up. And then, of course, you know, no one's saying that just because it's an Asian, um, you know, Asian people, like, automatically love anime no one's saying that but you know you get like the kind of the older siblings who a lot of them might mm-hmm. might watch anime and they pass it on to their younger siblings so but i think too it doesn't like i don't know if you remember like the xenophobia that was kind of around anything that came from japan back in the early 90s like there's no, a reason no. they called like anime like japanimation at the beginning because they wanted you to know where it was from oh really but I didn't there know. is like this yeah back like early early 90s i'm talking like 90 pre like tsunami okay like probably like 1990 or actually no i'd say from like 87 to like 95 it was called like decanimation 
and then like the term anime kind of got a little bit more in vogue and moved away from that. But there was a lot of xenophobia against Japanese people throughout the eighties and early nineties, because there was a lot of people that thought that they were going to come over and like replace like whites and jobs that the American car industry was going to fall because of, you know, the really? Japanese actually made reliable cars that weren't pieces of shit that rolled down the street. I didn't know this. Yeah, there's like this whole bit of racism that kind of had to do with that. That's why you had, you know, properties like Sonic the Hedgehog that came out that masqueraded as being American. And really, that was a Japanese property. Yeah, because the, if you watch the cartoon, it was very American. It was an anime. Extremely so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they yeah, got Urkel to do the voice. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he's I still got, the greatest Sonic. I got stats for you guys. Okay, so. All right. So, let me start off. With the opening weekend in Japan, it opened to. Uh, wait, is that domestic? Okay, never mind. I'll start with domestic. It made forty nine million dollars in North America, which is pretty decent for an animated movie. And uh, overall, it had a box office gross of over five hundred million dollars. In worldwide. Yeah, and but okay. it's forty nine okay. in North America and six million in France, two million in the UK. And uh, three million in Mexico, and the big one is three hundred and sixty-five million in Japan. So it's about a tenth of the global box office, which is still pretty small, I would say, compared to everywhere else. Really, compared? I don't know. Compared to France and compared to England, like they're not taking in nearly as much. And he's just looking at opening weekends too. That's a film that really had staying power. But that that was in theaters for a while. Like it wasn't just like. You you got to think about the population difference between us and France and us in like England. No, I am taking that into consideration, well, but I'm also here's the opening uh, box office for Japan, which is thirty one million dollars compared to uh, America's opening weekend, which is twenty one. So it's just ten million dollars less than Japan's opening weekend. Yeah, so I mean, so just right below Japan, then we're second. But Japan, Japan is like the size of California. I think you need to look at a map. I don't think Japan is the size of California. I think it is. Well, population-wise, it is, isn't it? Mm, I think they're above. Mike, you can look this up. Mike, okay. you need to keep looking up stats. Yes, okay. Uh, population population of... versus right. Japan. Uh, Japan versus So next thing we need to do is Mike is going to break out a calculator, and he's going to have to calculate per person how much should they pay to see this movie. <laughs> okay. How does Japan compare to California population? Japan is nearly 3.5 times as populous as California. Japan's population, 127 million. California's population, 37 million. As of, okay. oh, these are 2010 uh, numbers. So these are kind of outdated by a decade. Okay, so still, that's about, if they're at 130 million, that's a little bit less than half of the American population. And for us to only come in 10 million below that, I would okay. still say that it's pretty mainstream in America. Okay, but still, people still like look. That might just be hardcore nerds rewatching the movie because there are people mm. like that. Hold on, I I see some slander on my name in chat. Let me ban this man real quick. Oh, and also, uh, in terms of size, is the state of California bigger than Japan? California is around the same size as Japan. Japan is approximately well, I'm not going to say the approximate number, three hundred and seventy-seven square kilometers. While California is approximately well, 403 square kilometers, making California 7% larger. While the population of Japan is 
uh, 88 million more than California. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, that, sounds, that sounds crowded. Is yeah. So. I'm li- I'm I'm here for it. Japan 2022. I'm I'm on my way there to you. Get ready for this. They're closing the border now. <laughs> They're never going to open it back up. No. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the meme where it's like uh, three dudes like taking videos, being like, "Vegas ain't ready for us." And it's like, yeah, Vegas ain't ready for three roided up frat boys who buy their, their club clothes from Kohl's. And it's like, I'm like saying, like, Japan ain't ready for me. So, yeah, Japan ain't ready for some big, some big fat bearded weeb. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know what? You know what? Uh, what's his name? Three shots of kettle one. Time you out again. Let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Three shots of kettle one. Time out. Yeah, time out. There we go. This has become a weekly thing where I just, I just, I just time him out. You know, you should probably stop uh, berating your viewers. That might no. help as well. No, no, he deserves it. I'll, I'll untime him out. Anyways, all right. So, is this the part we asked to chat? Who won? Yes. Did you grasp at straws? Oh yeah, we actually okay, whatever. Yeah, we still haven't decided a winner on the segment. Yeah, well, no, we haven't. You know, let's do that. Let's, let's have the chat decide. Unless it's like truly. <laughs> no, everyone's gonna troll against me every week. I know. <laughs> Why do you think this is conspiracy against you? There's no conspiracy against you. There is always a conspiracy against me. Especially you probably shouldn't shut watch that. this show. Yeah, I wonder why exactly. Yeah, See, I'm why. A collusion. Collusion. Yeah. Anyways, anything yeah, more to say on like your on your arguments? Uh, I don't have any other closing arguments. I guess Demon Slayer kind of killed my shit, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. Well, so I guess. That will bring us to the end of today's episode of the 1v1 show. And if you guys like what we do here, please give us a follow. Why it wins? Okay. See, I see what you mean, Gio. But yeah, if you guys like what we do here, please give us a follow on our socials. We, boom, over there on IG, Twitter, and you can support us on Patreon. Like I said, we have three tiers where we can get you a $3 tier, $5 tier, and a $10 tier. And you can see what the rewards are on our Patreon. But thank you to everyone who participated in the chat. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we also have a an audio podcast. Uh, the audio version will be on Spotify. I know I haven't uploaded uh, last week's uh, episode, but I'll upload both of them tomorrow because la- this week was just filled with lots of uh, projects and deadlines. And I was stressing out and I didn't do this stuff. But I will do it tomorrow. But uh, yeah, so... Other than that, follow us on our socials, and yeah, and huge thanks to Wyatt for being a guest host this week, and uh, yeah, happy to do it. Yeah, and so with that said, uh, it's the end of the show, but if you guys want more show, just stay tuned for a little bit, maybe five, ten minutes, while we all get situated, get our drinks and snacks and stuff, and uh, yeah, but if you're listening to this on audio, uh, this is the end, but uh, yeah, so anyways... 
I'm Hyphysol, aka Mikey, and follow the, uh, along with your boy, Geo Huey Flow, and our guest host, Wyatt Cassio Jero. And uh, thank you guys for watching, and we will see you guys. Wait, what the heck is it? Stick around for the post show. Oh, there it is. And see you guys next week. Until then, later. <laughs>